We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blenderhead, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter, and you know what we do on Mondays, everyone's favorite day. Maybe not. Maybe not. Most people's not favorite day. It's not my favorite day. It's Mondays with McCool, James McCool, Pater underscore DFS, the co-author with me on the theory of daily fantasy sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. Feel free to give them thumbs up, sign your way in the door, hit the subscribe button if you're new here, hit the notification bell to know when we go live. I see Doug Montgomery, Apocalypse is in here. Feel free to type in your comments, your questions, whatever. Complaints, complaints to the manager if you want. But I'm here with, with James. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't horrible yesterday. <laughs> that's, a, that's a better way of putting it. I didn't I didn't lose all my money, but Every every pivot I made was to the wrong thing. So it's not like, it's like, oh, I'm not going to play completely chalk lineups. I'm going to get leveraged by, well, instead of playing Godwin or, or, or Gronkowski, I'm going to play Mike Evans. There and then go. it's Leonard Fournette. That's, that's the one that goes off. And it's like, okay, okay, I'm not going to play McCaffrey. I'm going to play DJ Moore. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, but DJ Moore, it's, I mean, he got like 18 points or something. Not, nothing to write home about or anything like that. Oh, people are playing Brandon Cooks. I'm going to play David Johnson for a cheap running back. And he did fine in the beginning. And then he got kind of got injured and didn't do much for the rest of the game. Uh, it was, it was like, I, I want I want to get away from these chalk snowflakes by then moving to someone that snowflakes. <laughs> just to, to moving to someone else that snowflakes. So it's like my, my lineups look a little bit different, but a little bit the same because it pretty much had about the same points yeah. as, as the snowflake lineups. Uh, you took a different route to get the same result. Yeah, I, I just get slightly better results. I did. I did catch a bunch of my GPP lineups. Right. I didn't get swept in uh, in cash games, uh, but and that was primarily because I played Gronk in in cash, and that that helped me in a bunch of head to heads. 
So I think I, I won. I won like 38% of my head to heads. I have to check somewhere between 35 and 40% of my head to heads. So it wasn't, wasn't, it was an awful, awful day, but, uh, and in GPPs, I, I cashed didn't place that highly because I, I had, uh, I, I too much of, uh, of, of the cheaper quarterback and no one, no, it's, it almost felt like no one did well. It's like, like, so how did you get there? Well, kind of tough, kind of tough to get there. Cause any, as long as all you needed were, were Cordell Patterson, Lennon Fournette, Joe Mixon. And then, I mean, did any wide, I mean, was any wide receiver worth it? T Higgins. T Higgins. I mean, I mean, but like, not like super duper worth it. Right. I'm going to take a look at the fantasy points here. So we had Fournette at 47. Waddle. A Waddle. Yes. Okay. Waddle was worth Eli Mitchell went off for 30 points. We take a look at the highest scoring players on the slate. Out of the top 10, like they're almost all in in, in single digits. So Mixon's 10.15% average across these contests I'm looking at. So it's like 4%, 10%, 6%, 5%, 8%, 2%. And these are quarterbacks, so I'm not going to count the quarterbacks. 6% for Higgins. Uh, Highest zone player that did well was Gronkowski. Right, right. He did fine at the tight end spot. The only the only player that I had more of the field out of all of these players was Jalen Wall. Only because I was and but you know who who, who was in my Jalen Waddle lineups? Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. <laughs> right. So why did it matter? It didn't. It didn't really matter. So uh, I'm 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 going to assume James that out of your three lineups, none of them cashed. Oh no, I did exceptionally well. Oh really? Yeah, I had a top one percent finish in the power sleep. Oh, okay. Oh, so <laughs> so you were able to move from the snowflakes to the not snowflakes. Yeah. So I had I had Eli Mitchell in every lineup. I couldn't I, I could not fathom why he was not going to be shocked. I could not figure it out. This is like well, coming off an injury, right? And and because of the Miles Sanders shock, that's basically what we like deduced in the Discord after like after the fact because I had Eli Mitchell projected like I should, like he's a seven K running back. That's 5,400 for whatever reason. Um, and we like nobody in, in my, in my discord could figure out truly why Eli Mitchell was only 7% owned in the power suit. It's weird. Well, especially with Miles Sanders being that like to me, I, I played 16 lineups uh, yesterday in GPP. I think I had Sanders in one or two of them. I don't, I don't, I didn't understand the Miles Sanders shock. I, I wrote about it. I thought it was weird. Um, I played him last week when he was first coming back in, but then after seeing the way that they wanted to use him, it's like, well, Jordan him. Howard was out. You didn't have to worry about Jordan Howard. Did you right. ever have to, you worry, still about have to worry about Howard? Jalen Hurts and Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell and, you know, whatever water boy they want to use it. They don't want to use one running back. They hate using one running back. Um, but I had Eli Mitchell in every lineup. My three stacks were a Cincinnati stack, I had a Tampa Bay stack and I had a um, Ram stack. I thought the the Rams Packers game had like this really weird over under of like 46 or something, which didn't make any sense to me. I thought that game should have had an over under of like 52, probably at least. Um, but yeah, I, I ended up with 100% Eli Mitchell. I had T Higgins. I had Rob Gronkowski in two out of my three lineups. Um, I had Austin Eckler. I, I basically, because people wanted to be paying down at quarterback 
and paying up. Like so many people had Christian McCaffrey and so many people had um, that these, these kind of like weirdo. I, I think that it was weird that people wanted to pay up so far running back. Cause I wanted to as well at first, but then I started building and I just kept finding myself like I plugged in Eli Mitchell and I plugged in my stacks and it's like, I can't even fathom affording a super expensive running back. The only reason why I had Austin Eckler was because he was in my charger stack. So those mid range running backs, even though I didn't love them, I didn't love Fournette. Um, I didn't love Cordero Patterson. They projected well, but I didn't love them. Um, I, I ended up needing to be more kind of like in that middle range. I did have Saquon Barkley, which could have been, uh, Cordero Patterson, obviously, but you know, I, I just thought that the, the build path was kind of weird, um, for what people wanted to do this week. And I, I didn't think that there was enough chalk for me to worry about being different. I mean, when we looked at the chalk, it was kind of like, all right, so Gronkowski should be high owned because he's basically the only tight end that really matters on this slate. Um, I thought that Michael Pittman was going to be a high owned, but I didn't care because of my Tampa Bay stack, I knew it was going to be different with my running backs. So with, with the chalk situations, I thought that it was fine to be different and just go with the stacks that I thought were going to be higher pass rates in the red zone. That was like mostly what I focused on this week. And, um, obviously it paid off. Like if, if Daryl Henderson ends up getting a little bit more run, or if I get a little bit more from Jamar chase, you know, that, that 41 lineup, that one had some legs too. I think the top lineup was like 191 or something. Uh, obviously you needed Leonard Fournette to get there, but um, I, I felt good about the the way the lineups turned out. And I, I thought I had plenty of upside with, uh, with those lineups. I did want to go with a charger stack. I had a charger stack until like 10 minutes before lock. And I just kept looking at T Higgins and I just kept looking at that Pittsburgh and Cincinnati game. I'm like, I want Deontay Johnson. I want Chase Claypool. I want T Higgins. I want Jamar Chase. Like I want these guys in these lineups. And I couldn't figure out a way to do them as secondary stacks. I was like, screw it. I'm just going to do a Cincinnati stack and bring it back to Deontay Johnson. And that ended up doing pretty well. Right. I have your, your uh, lineups up here in the power sweep. Yeah. Uh, what was your plan with Daryl Henderson? Like, did you, were you like me where Daryl Henderson was a placeholder for AJ Dillon? Yeah. Like, Cause we were waiting on whether or not Aaron Jones was going to be active. And if, if Aaron Jones was going to be inactive, AJ Dillon at 5,900 was going to be like the top salary adjusted value play yeah. of the entire slate. So like, like out of my 16 lineups, I, I had like, I think 13 or 14 Daryl Henderson lineups with at least $100 on the table. Cause obviously it's a $100 yeah. boost up instead of doing it the other way. I could have just have all the AJ Dillon then switched over to Daryl Henderson, but I ended up on a lot of Henderson primarily because of that. So, I mean, these lineups have like 700 salary remaining. This one has zero. This one has 500. So this one with 700 salary remaining. I'm assuming that, you know, your plan was for some type of late swap if needed with Henderson, Mitchell, and the Broncos defense. Yes. Yeah. So I actually heard that a lot of people were assuming Aaron Gordon or Aaron Jones out and going with AJ Dillon and then planning to swap to Daryl Henderson later. I had assumed that Aaron Jones is going to play the entire week. Um, I know that it was like murky and they have a bye week next week and blah, blah, blah. But the Packers are not a team to like do that kind of stuff. So I thought he was going to play all week. My plan was if I have Daryl Henderson here, that's fine. Um, I can go 
I left myself plenty of room. I was never going to come off Eli Mitchell because there wasn't any reason to, unless he was out, of course. But um, that there was really no reason for me to say, okay, well, AJ or Aaron Jones is out. I'm going to come up from Eli Mitchell to AJ Dillon, which I could have done with enough money on the sal- in salary. I had a late swap defense that I could have used. I had the Rams or the Broncos that I could have utilized based on what I wanted to do with that lineup. There are a lot of different ways that I wanted to go about it. Um, eventually I ended up on that Broncos defense just because uh, I wanted to have the, the ability to swap if I needed to uh, with either one of the running back spots, but I did really like Elon Mitchell and Daryl Henderson was just kind of, he, he was there. He was priced fine. He projected fine and moving up from him. Didn't get me anything that AJ Dillon wouldn't have gotten me. It wasn't a jump from Daryl Henderson to like Saquon Barkley that would have netted me six or seven projection. So keeping Daryl Henderson was fine. Yeah. And my, and my lineups, like I did, I did not play the Pittsburgh Cincinnati game at all. The the total was really low. Right. The total was low and the the pace, the expected pace was one of the slowest on the slates, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean anything. One big play could open up the pace of the entire game. So like, like that isn't like that big of a, you know, a, a, a factor yeah. as far as it. But like my feeling is if I'm going to play one guy, I might as well play other guys. And it's like, if I don't want to play more than two guys from this game, like just don't play. If I'm not going to play, Deontay Johnson's going to be a bit chalky. So if I'm not going to play Deontay Johnson, then I'm not going to play the Bengals and I'm just not going to play the game. Right. Yeah. I'm just, there are other running backs that I'm pulling to play other than Mixon. So I just didn't bother with this game. Uh, I, I did play a lot of Michael Pittman also, but that was primarily because I was playing like Evans yeah. in a bunch of lineups. So like, okay, that makes sense. Uh, and I did end up having a Pascal lineup as well. They just passed to everybody but Pittman and Pascal. Right. I also I also played a bunch of Ty Johnson mm-hmm. to attach to Brandon Cooks. And it turns out some practice guy squad just comes in and just whatever. I, I had Tevin Coleman being the guy that would get the majority of the actual rushing work and Ty Johnson getting the majority of the passing work. I thought that game was going to be so trash that I didn't want to play the one. I played Jamison Crowder. I played uh, Tyrod Taylor. I played, I played, I played a bunch of that game. I couldn't figure out the Tyrod, Tyrod Chalk. I basically well, like, 5,300. I know he was cheap, but you couldn't just got Cam Newton. But you have to understand that, that when two crappy teams play each other, the game could either be really crap or really like just that was my thought on the Jaguars and the Falcons. I was more on the Jaguars Falcons than I was on the Texans and Jets. I just like, I didn't want to touch that game. And that that can be a mistake. I'm fine with that being a mistake. I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I played a bunch of Kyle Pitts. That didn't work out. No, it didn't. Nothing. I mean, Cordell Patterson just did Cordell Patterson things. And I, I, I thought that that game, Again, like that that game where you can do that really interesting Cordero Patterson and Kyle Pitts stack, bring back Marvin Jones. I mean, that that would have made plenty of sense. It's just the, the Falcons are so, so washed at this point, dude. Matt Ryan's done. He, you can stick a fork in him. He's done. Uh, looking through uh, 150 max or some of the top DFS players in the world, looking at their their exposures mm-hmm. in, the, in the Millie. I mean, I'm, I was kind of in line, like, I mean, around the, if I compare, this is what I like doing. This is what you should do. So instead of going off the results or instead of looking at the winning lineup, who won the Millie? How, how what did they do? 
Because a lot of times winning the Milky is you bang your head against the keyboard and whatever comes out, comes out. Last week. I want to look at people that that highly profitable, max entry players, what types of lineups were they building? Because in the long run, they're going to be the most profitable players. So like across the board, under on Gronk, under on the Texans defense, which makes sense that a 30, 33% owned DST, right? Some had zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly kind of over, similar uh, to the field of James Robinson. Many of them were over on Miles Sanders, right? We have Brick 75, 40, a Hubbro 34, Felix uh, 49, Peter Gibbons 47. Pittman was about, about field weight. Adebo was under. Mm-hmm. McCaffrey was mixed because obviously that's a construction thing playing a $9,000 McCaffrey. So some were oh way like Utica was 70%. Especially on this slate where there was so little value, like you, right. you had to make it work. Right. But like FJ Bourne at 2%, mm-hmm. but it seemed like most sharp players were over on cooks. Most sharp players were, let's see, over on Henderson, but a lot of that was probably AJ Dillon swaps. Mm-hmm. Like it makes sense. That makes sense. Mixed on Ayuk, under on Taylor, which made sense at his price. Mm-hmm. Under on Chase, over on Johnson, over on Barkley, over on Engram. Let's see, a little bit more. Under on Najee Harris at 12%. Um, barely any mixing. Let's see, like overs. Let's see. A bit over on Evans. Ty Johnson, several had zero, but some had way more. So that was a mix, depending on, obviously, that's a construction thing. Right. I was going to say, if you look at that Ty Johnson, that 50%, that's mixed with his Christian McCaffrey. He basically used Ty Johnson to get Christian McCaffrey. Right. Over on Keenan Allen, who came in at only 9%. I thought he would be double that. I thought he was going to be one of the highest-owned players on the slate. Right. Me too. Kyle Pitts, many were over, right? It says several over. Devontae Adams was, almost everyone was over. Here, Jamison Crowder, almost everyone was way, way over on Jamison Crowder. LaVisca Chenault, over. <laughs> Let's see, Jalen Waddle, a little bit over. Just looking, T. Higgins, a little bit over, but not like massively. Miles mm-hmm. Gaskin, a bit. Jerry Judy, definitely over on Judy. Fournette, some had some, but some had none. Mm-hmm. Galladay a bit. Bengals, Bengals DST at 3%. That makes sense. Right. Looking through the Jets defense. Marvin Jones a little, I guess. Right. I could just go through here. I'm just looking at like across the board through like a lot of sharp players. Keelan Cole, another Jets receiver. So just looking through all these, it's like, well, what do the majority of the sharper players have in their lineups? And I look and it's like, oh, they had similar lineups that that like kind of lineups that I was making for the most part. Yeah. So it's like, what 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 am I supposed to do? Like, what am I to, <laughs> I'm making lineups like some of the most profitable players in DFS. And then some of the most profitable players in DFS just didn't profit this week. We yeah. take a look at the 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 top places in the Millie. I mean, look how many single bullets, right? So the, the top lineup, Tommy Mack, 225, right? 21 entries. Had Robbie Anderson with two and a half points in it. And the willing, winning Millie maker entry. Well, because you, once you have Mixon and Fournette, 
like uh yeah and make some Fournette and waddle you just win right and and gronk and gronk in the tight end spot yeah right the only truck piece in here but look take a look at some of these i mean one 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 two one i mean look how many single bullets towards the top then we get a 150 or a 29th place and then even so he's still a lot a lot of one 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 like johnny b whatever this person right Plays two Rams pass catchers with Herbert naked. Because that obviously makes sense. Obviously, I'm being being sarcastic. Oh. Right. Plays Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham Jr. Two tight end lineup. Two t- wait, what you, oh, on this slate, I didn't mind. I think the two tight no, end build so wasn't value in play. Like, I, I think, yeah. Sure. Right. But I'm just saying, it's like this. It's like, okay, you got there, right? You had Vernet and Gronkowski, no Brady. Well, as, as long as you're able to pick out their, all the right players, I mean, you're good then if you're able to do that. Goat 992, here's his one. Uh, you have Mac Jones with no receivers, Fournette Mitchell, and Samuel. Mm. Waddle very and the smart, Very smart of him to play both of San Francisco's top running backs. Right. Well, I play both the, right, the running backs, right? Because Debo Samuel. I hate is Debo right. Samuel right now, man. Right. Here's oh yes, let's let's take another one. Here's the same Herbert with no pass catchers. You got Fournette and Patterson, right? As long as you got the running backs right, you're good. Yeah, that was most of it. Right, that was most of it. As long as you got like Fournette, Patterson, Mixon, if you had two or Mitchell, if you had two or three of those, like it almost didn't matter who you picked, as long as you got enough points, the rest of the spots. Right, here's here's one. They're Mixon Patterson. At least this is a Herbert Allen stack. But of course, playing Tyler Johnson, Gronkowski, and Fournette with no Brady. Okay. So it's a bang, bang your head against the keyboard. Feel free to try to make these lineups next week. You could make, you know how many lineups like this you could make? Millions. So like good luck, good luck figuring out exactly the the right the right way to do that. But that's why you'll see a lot of you know one-off types of lineups. Here's here's an Daywalker has 88 lineups. So what does this lineup look like? Still, okay. Herbert with no pass catchers. Henderson, Mitchell, Waddle, Moore, Gage, Gronk, Fournette, Patriots. Okay. Okay, I guess. Let's say the first one, Hicks. Here's the first 150 max. Here, here you go. Roethlisberger, Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryermuth. With Joe Mixon as the runback, three plus one. There you go. Leonard Fournette, DJ Moore. Like Leonard Fournette is what? Leverage off of Godwin and Gronkowski, right? Chalk Bucks. DJ Moore, leverage off of Christian McCaffrey. Then you have Jalen Waddell, who at 59, basically, you know, more people are playing cooks in this range. Yep. And Javante Williams is 5,200. Most people are playing Miles Sanders in that range. So here you go. I mean, that that that's why looking at a lineup like this, it's like, okay, this is this is a lineup that that is that is makeable. Like you could you could you could recreate this process and make these types of lineups. Now, this is the milli, so you have to beat 200,000 entries, and you're gonna find a lot of keyboard smashers. So one of the keyboard smashers is probably gonna get up there. But here's another Richard Sandwich is a 150 maxer. Richard Sandwich, the legend. Right. Dick Sandwich. He likes to be called. <laughs> Uh, so here's Ben, Johnson, Fryermuth, Higgins. Makes sense. Love that. Right? Then you get Chalk Miles Sanders. You get 
Fournette as leverage off of the, the passing game for the for the Buccaneers. Jalen Waddle instead of you know Cooks or whatever in that range. Debo Samuel, which is fine as a one-off in the Dolphins defense. So okay. This is this is a makeable, this is another makeable lineup, right? We we scroll down. Let's see. How about one fifty decompton? Here, Cousins, Thielen, Jefferson. Right? With Eli Mitchell as the run back. Same concept, Fournette, leverage off the Bucks passing game. Well, with Waddle and T.Y. Hilton. Right. And tied it to T.Y. and T.Y. Hilton instead of Mike uh, Pittman. Okay, so this this lineup this lineup makes makes sense, and it had look look at it, still barely barely any ownership. Here's D, another D Compton lineup: Wentz, Pittman, Hilton, Gronk, and Fournette, Mitchell plus Jefferson, and and then you got Joe Mixon. Good lineup, right? Here's a lineup that you I mean you can make millions of these lineups also, but. Like these are lineups that you could you could have a process to make. I like really want to go all in on that Tampa Bay game. You wanted to go all in? Mm-hmm. I wanted to. I did end up. I ended up with plenty of Tampa Bay in my lineups. Like I had Mike Evans in two. I had Rob Gronkowski in two. I had Michael Pittman or Zach Pascal. Like I that game. So I kind of thought. There's that game that had the weird over-under. It was the, the Chargers and Broncos game, I think, uh, that had like a 49 over-under or something like that. And I, I thought that game had – or no, it was San Francisco and the Vikings. I thought that game's over-under was like weird. I thought it was weirdly high. So if that game had an over-under of like 46, then Tampa Bay and Indianapolis has the highest over-under by far. So I really, really wanted a lot of exposure to that game. So I, I, I'm a little bit bummed about the Tom Brady performance, but I, I'm happy to see that a lot of that was right. A uh, Royal paid 21, another 150 maxers. Here's Stafford, Beckham, Jefferson, Adams. Fournette, Patterson, Fryermute, Chenault, Giants defense. Okay, this this lineup make this. There you go. Here's another lineup. Get off me to 23-13. Herbert, Allen, Cook. No run back, which is fine. Mixon, Fournette, Hilliard. Elijah Moore and Cooks opposite each other, which is fine. And okay, Bengals defense to go along with Joe Mixon. Yep. Okay, there's there's another constructed lineup. Bet tag 21. Here's Cincinnati. Burrow Higgins, Deontay Johnson. So a skinny stack. Fournette Gronkowski. Like this lineup makes this this lineup is fine. Right? It has some, some amount of structure to it. All right, we go here. Here, Perez. Here's a 150 maxer. Wentz, Doyle, Fournette, Adams, and Thielen across from each other. No, Thielen was SFO. Oh, okay, but he got Eli, Eli Mitchell there. Okay, so Eli Mitchell's there with Adam Thielen. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, this is a structured lineup, right? Surprise, Marvin Jones is so long. Royal Payne is another one. Rogers, Adams, MVS. Bring it back, though, BJ. OBJ, right? Fournette. You know, I mean, Prater, I mean, just get the right one off in the running back spots, then there you go. Dolphins defense, 23 points. Like if you notice, like so many people, they've been, oh, I looked at the winning lineup. It has it, it makes absolutely no sense. It's like, yeah, because there's 200,000 lineups in these contests. 
How yeah. do you recreate the lineups that make no sense? You can't. So you're going to make 150 lineups that make no sense and hope that you're one out of uh, 200,000 that are negative EV get there. Like one of them is going to get there. You know, a lot of times one of them is going to get there in a contest this size. We talk about it a lot of like the majority of the users are building bad lineups. Like right. that there, there are a lot of bad lineups. So when the majority, yeah, but one of, of those bad lineups could easily, I mean, could still easily win despite it being bad. Well, and when unprofitable long term, when the majority of the lineups in a contest are, you know, par or subpar, then there's a better chance that one of those wins than the other ones. That's just the way that it goes. Right. If we take a look at, like, here's a wildcat lineup that's wild but i mean you take a look at Utica's lineup in the wildcat garoppolo samuel Ayuk, right fryermuth higgins across from each other gaskin and the dolphins defense Fournette. i mean like this lineup makes sense here's bk reader brady Fournette, gronkowski pitman just the game stack of that right with henderson hilliard and, right you got a bunch of Project, highly projected plays. Take a look at that. I mean, it's a 185 lineup. I mean, outside of the running back positions, everyone is 20, is like 20% owned, mm-hmm. right? This is the Wildcat, but it's only 4,100 4, entries. So look, he played the chalkiest game, played Deontay Johnston, played Brandon Cooks. I mean, look, look how chalky this lineup is. Well, nope, did 130,000 the Wildcat, right? Chipotle Addict, Wentz, Pittman, Hilton, Gronk, Fournette. Three plus two of that game. Mm-hmm. Texans defense, even as chalk, right? Keenan Allen, Miles Gaskin. I mean, like Debo Samuel as a one. I mean, basically went with the other side of that Tampa Bay game and then trying to with chalk. Right. This is a you know sixth place lineup in the Wildcat. But on a slate where a lot of the chalk failed, I mean, Millie is just going to be like keyboard matching lineups. Yeah. That's why I just want, I always want to highlight, like, we're looking at sharp players' lineups. Like, here's fourth down conversion, the 44-44. It's only a seven-entry max, right? Petty theft one, 200,000. With a Lawrence, Lawrence, Robinson, Chenault. No Atlanta. Then filled it in with basically the, with, with Fournette. As long as you had Fournette, like, I mean, look how chalky this lineup is, essentially. I'm surprised you didn't enter that in the Thunderdome. I don't, this is way this is way too high variance for the Thunderdome. I mean, the Thunderdome is is, is like like forty people, fifty people. This is two twenty nine. Ah, you're right. Ricky D over here, Lawrence Jones, Chenault, Cordell Patterson, right? The Petty theft had no Patterson that didn't even have Patterson in this lineup. But as long as you had Fournette, you're fine. Yep. Right here's his his bails. Newton Moore, nothing back, and nothing that makes back. sense. Newton and Moore. I mean, Newton, you don't need, you know, right? Need. You don't need much, right? Yeah, right. And then pretty much, I mean, kind of like outside of that, and Mitchell, everyone else is kind of like kind of chalky. Texans defense, even in this lineup, this lineup has enough. It's only two hundred and twenty nine entry contest. I just like showing that, like. If you did if you did poorly yesterday by playing guys, if we if we go to if we go to ownership, let's say if we go to let's see, where are we going? Right? If if you played, if you played Michael Pittman and Miles Sanders and Christian McCaffrey and Chris Godwin 
and uh, and 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 Cam Newton. If you did something like that, Ty Johnson. Like you played lineups that, and Mike Evans, you played lineups that looked like the sharp, some of the sharpest, most profitable players' lineups yesterday. Okay, over the long run, would you rather have their results? Of course you would. So, like, why wouldn't you're making the same decisions that they made? If your your lineups look nothing like that, then either you're you're a wizard, or or maybe you're not making the best of lineups. And and even if you won, maybe you got lucky. I mean, that's the whole thing of you know using a large sample size and seeing your top 1% rate of like, as as your sample size gets larger, are you placing more than your fair share in the top 1% of contests? If you're playing GPPs, but to, to review your process, you should be reviewing sharp players lineups, not winning lineups of GPPs. There's a reason why we do this process so often. Right. What was I off on? Like, I don't know. Was I off on anything? I, th- I the, the only thing that I was off on is that I absolutely considered the Buccaneers leverage. Just I played Adam, uh, Evans instead of Fournette. Right. Cause I, I was playing that. all the running backs. Yeah. Right. So as I was playing, I was playing a lot more because I, I was, I was saving for AJ Dillon. And also I wasn't, I wasn't a big fan of the running backs this week. So I was playing more wide receiver and flex. And it turns out that the highest scoring players on this slate were running backs, right? So I didn't get, I didn't play Mixon. I didn't play Fournette. It's like I was trying to, trying to not, not play running backs and try to play more wide receivers. And, but that, that was the common build amongst most sharp players mm-hmm. in GPPs to play four wide receiver, double tight end lineups types of things and not uh, three running back type of line. Yeah, when, when we have these weeks where there's kind of like a seed of value, because I think that it's important to touch on the two tight end thing, since it's such a taboo idea. I'm like, whenever you see it, and still even when I see it, I'm like, oh, hey, two tight end, weird. Um, when there is a very, very low value week like we had this week, I mean, the, the probably the highest projected player that I was willing to play that was cheap was going to be Marquez Valdez-Scantling at 4,100. And then outside of that, uh, it was really, really hard for me to justify anybody under 5k. Uh, You know, you could make a case for Ty Johnson. You could make a case for Tevin Coleman. You can make a case for, I guess you could make a case for those Tennessee wide receivers if you hate yourself, but like there was, I didn't consider them at all. I didn't play any. I I was not touching a third string team against the Patriots. When's the last time, when's the last time a losing team had 200 yard rushes? I, have an I can't even remember. Because yeah. Hilliard and Foreman both had 100 plus yards. It's crazy. And they lost. Um, but I mean, hey, yo, you got to establish it, bro. Like establishing it means that you're going to win. Um, I, I just, I think that it's important to note that on weeks where there is so little value, it's perfectly acceptable to go with two tight end because tight ends are so cheap for their expectation. And it even like, Rob Gronkowski this week was obviously underpriced at 4,400, but there were some other guys. I mean, Jared Cook, uh, Tyler Conklin, Pat Fermuth. Like, right. th- there were a lot of guys that were under 5K at tight end that still had expectations somewhere above or around 10 fantasy points. And you, when the when you have so little actual value outside of them, you don't have to think of tight end as just an individual 
single choice position. You can think of it in, in the flex as well if it allows you to get the Christian McCaffrey's or the Jonathan Taylor's or the Devontae Adams. Like that, there was a way, pr- pretty much the only way that I would have felt comfortable going with a Ram stack with both Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams was if I used a two tight end lineup. That's why I didn't do it, but that was the only way that I was going to be able to do it. Right. The same thing with McCaffrey. A lot of two tight end lineups have McCaffrey in a running back spot. So, yeah. Like they, they, people, they, 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 get, they get destroyed not because of two tight ends. They get destroyed because McCaffrey only had three and a half points. Right. If McCaffrey does well, then, you know, we probably see quite a few two tight end lineups up towards the top of leaderboards just because Christian McCaffrey is so high owned. Christian McCaffrey ends up going for 30 fantasy points or something like that. And we probably see quite a bit more of those, uh, those weird constructions to fit him in because we just didn't have value this week. And I love weeks like this where we don't have value because it leads to more variable results, in my opinion, because people have to be paying guys that are more appropriately priced. So the ranges of outcomes are a little bit more wide around those guys that are appropriately priced. Okay. Everyone's favorite segment. Let me bring them up. Okay. Based on your projections versus my aggregate. I mean, uh, I mean, let me take a look at your lineup. I mean, it, it's it's probably going to be it's probably going to be someone that's in your lineup, right? Oh, it's got to be Eli Mitchell, right? I'm I almost ha- almost has to be Eli Mitchell. I'm assuming Eli Mitchell, maybe maybe MVS, uh, maybe OBJ, maybe OBJ, maybe maybe OBJ. So what do you what do you have uh, what do you have OBJ at? At OBJ at fifteen. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Nine point eight one. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had, I had him at 9.81 before I adjusted the market share for the team. That was the ad. That was the aggregate yesterday. 9.81 for OBJ. That's surprising. I'm surprised that the industry was so low on him. How about Valdez Scotland? What do you have? I have it like 10. Okay. 8.58. Okay. So, and then, and then let's take a look at this. Let's Eli Mitchell. What did you got? 18. Okay, 13.45. So obviously at 18, he would have ended up projecting. That's why I, mean, I had him in all three. I, I right. and especially not only was he projected for 18 at 5,400, he was projected at 6% ownership. Right. Well, no, yeah, he would have ended up. Yeah, if I put a put in, like let, let's use this thought experiment. Okay, I'm gonna that's not a thought experiment. I'll run it out right now. Yeah. So let me let me run build rules, unique players one. Spending whatever. We don't even need to do stacks. Do we have stacks in here? No. We just who cares? So if I were to put, so I'm gonna run a hundred lineups right now with the my current my current aggregate. Yeah. So basically the top hundred optimals, yeah, regardless of stack or whatever. So I'm gonna run run this. We're gonna see a lot of McCaffrey Sanders types of lineups. Yeah. Godwin, right? Take a look at the highest, you know. Godwin, Sanders, James Robinson, Brandon Cooks, something like that. So top 100 optimals using kind of an industry aggregate projections from yesterday. Godwin comes up in 93%, Cooks 86%, Texans defense 85%, McCaffrey 81%, Pittman 80%, Sanders 77%, Robinson 63%, Tyrod Taylor 49%, Cam 45%, right? So we okay. just look at the running back position, right? We don't get any Eli Mitchell or anything. We get McCaffrey, Sanders, Robinson, Henderson, Gaskin, Barkley. Okay. Now, if I take 
your projection on Eli Mitchell. And you, what was your projection for Eli Mitchell? Was 18.1. Okay, so I'm going to put him up to 18.1, right? So now let's run 100 optimals. Yeah, I mean, he, he for sure shows up in 85% plus. Right, and but also, also then when you're factoring for GPPs, you go, this guy's in all these lineups and he's only going to be 5% owned. He ends up in like so many. He would have, yeah. out of my 16 lineups, if, if that situation occurred, he would have been in like at least 12 out of 16 of my lineups. Yeah. And Eli I, Mitchell I'm, shows up in 100% of 100 optimists. Right. It's a five-point difference. I, I couldn't figure out his ownership. I couldn't figure out like. like well, let me, let me do this. Let me do this now. Okay. So you had him at 18 Point one, okay. Yeah. I am at thirteen point seven uh, four five. Yeah. Let's say I were to weight your projection by thirty okay. percent or something like that. Let's say in my ag, let's say for whatever reason I I included your projection into my aggregate. Sure. So maybe let's just say with that it would have bumped them up to maybe fifteen point five. Is that fair? Yeah, sure. Is that a good estimate? That's probably closer to what like most people would assume anyway. Okay, so 15.5. Mm-hmm. So now let me run it at 15.5. And 15.5 at 5400, that's appropriately priced. No, that's a little, that's a little that's bad that's a little bit better. What you'd be about one and a half to two points salary adjusted plus sure. on on this. Yeah. yeah. So at 15.5 Running 100 optimals, just for the sake, you could run 300, okay? Now, Sanders still comes up above him. Eli Mitchell still, but Eli Mitchell shows up in 35% of lineups. Which you'd still be well over. Right, but but the difference is that my projected ownership on him was, what, 6 7%? Yeah. Compared to Sanders at the 23 24%. Yeah. I would have said, well, why aren't I playing Mitchell over... Sand, even from a GPP perspective, I'd be like, I'd be playing Mitchell over Sanders. I'd be playing Mitchell over Gaskin. I'd be playing Mitchell over Henderson. Yeah. Right. Or James Robinson even. Right. Making a lot more. So even at 15.5, it would show with that project, with your projected ownership between five and 7% would make him like quite possibly the best GPP play on the entire slate. Yeah, and he ended up being basically the best GPP player. GPP play on the entire slate. Let let's uh, and you could do the same thing with like OBJ, right? If you bumped him up to fifteen points, he'd show up in like everything for his price. And then once you yeah. factor in his ownership, he'd show up in even more. Yeah, but that's the difference. Look, I only bumped up Eli Mitchell's projection by two points from what I had aggregate five percent more. Right. It went from having 0% in 100 to 35% in 100 yeah. just by 20 yards rushing or one pass for 10 yards. Like that's the difference. And then once you factor in ownership, you'd be like, well, what's the difference between Mitchell and Sanders? Even though Sanders does project better than 15.5 mm-hmm. compared to, you know, four times difference in ownership, you'd play, you'd play Mitchell over it. Yeah. Right. If we end up, if we bump this up to, you know, 16, 17. Now let's say you do it the other way. Let's say you do you go by Sanders. So yeah. Sanders, what did you have Sanders at? 12. Okay. I industry aggregate 15.55. So, so I basically the, flipped. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. So let's do let's do the same thing I did before. Instead of using your projection, which was what? 12. 12. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it 13.75. Word. Like I got in the middle between that and yours. Yeah. Okay, so now with Sanders at 13.75, I'm gonna build hundred optimals. And remember, he was at like 90% of optimals. I think it was 78%. It was 78? Okay. It was 80, it was somewhere around there. Yeah. I could probably go back and stand, right? Right. In the first run. First run, he was in 77%. Okay. This is a difference of about one and three quarters points difference if I lower it. So 1.7 or so. Once I do this, I look at the running back position. He shows up at only 9%. And, and now Robinson, Henderson, and Gaskin get pumped up. And now we have Eli Mitchell here at three. Three, it shows up in 3%. So the difference of 1.75 points is the difference of showing up in 77% of optimals versus 9% of optimals. Yep. That's it. That's the only, that difference. Yeah, Dontrell Hilliard comes in one, one out of a hundred. You still get a ton of McCaffrey, obviously. Yeah. I mean, obviously, this has no stacking, no nothing. I mean, just we're just running it. But to show how fragile the range, I mean, one, one and a half to two points is not even is not even 10, 10% per, percentile wise. Right. Like if our if the median outcome, for instance, on Miles Sanders is if I have his median at 15.5 and you have his median at 12, like 12 compared to mine, it's still like a what a 41st percentile at something like yeah. that. Yeah. Like it's still and mine to yours is still is only like a 60th percent. Like we're still within like 10 percentile points up or down on that. It was still within, we're still well within one standard deviation, mm -hmm. right? And really, if you could get your projections down to be accurate within one standard deviation, you're great. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Right. So even though our projection differences, the aggregate versus yours on Sanders versus Mitchell, we're still not, oh, if I had if I had your Mitchell projection, you know, I, I would never play Sanders. It's like it, it's a six, it's at best 60-40. Like if we were to bet based on if if I went by my projections versus your projections and said, who will score more points, Mitchell or Sanders? I would bet Sanders, you would bet Mitchell. And people would look and go, well, based on your projection, you're gonna win a lot more. Yeah, you're gonna you're probably gonna win 58% of the time. If your projection is if your projection is more is accurate more accurate than mine, you'll win like fifty eight percent of the time. Yep. If my if my projection is more accurate than yours, I'll win fifty eight percent of the time, but not ninety percent. Not like if Sanders if today if yesterday Sanders scored thirty points and Eli Mitchell scored seven, that would have made total sense. That still would right. It's it, it would still been it would have still been within the range of outcomes that you project. Yep. And, and I mean, that's always something that we highlight. Like we always talk about James's weird ones here for sure, but it's also worth noting that like, even a lot of the weird ones are still within at least a standard deviation of like 
outside of like the Donovan Peoples Jones and the Quez Watkins and like those ones, most of the projections are within one standard deviation. Um, it's why I focus so much more on ownership than I focus on on projection because if if I'm running these things and I say, okay, well Eli Mitchell is project for 18. If Eli Mitchell was 35% owned, then I don't, I'm not really gaining all that much, even if he's projected for 18, but projected at six, it's like, okay, well, I, I need to take a stand here because I know that I have this much of a higher projection over the industry if he's only going to be 6% owned. So that, that's why I like to focus on that kind of stuff more. Uh, Jacob Callaway puts up a great point. Good. It, this is a highlight that, that most projection sources in the industry are essentially this, are close enough to each other that that just projections don't do any don't do enough for you like that like the difference between one point here and one point there variance makes up for that that's why in gpps it's 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 a matter of game theory that's why we talk about game theory and not projecting outcomes like kit uh, over here i was worried about debo cutting into mitchell i only had eli because i switched off a dylan was anyone's worried about this it's all in the number there's no what like you have you have to get away from predicting the gains. If you put in all the target, if you put in all the information and the range of outcomes is X to Y, you're done with caring about the football games altogether. Yep. Now you just, okay, you got distribution curves and putting the math, the numbers together. That's why if you have projected ownership on Eli Mitchell of 6% and his median projection at 15 and a half, like I understand why it was in all three of your life. Just jump Only on 100%. And that the difference of two points, if I was looking at your numbers or if I even incorporated your numbers into my aggregate, I would have ended up with, I wouldn't have ended up in, if I had three lineups, I wouldn't have ended up with Mitchell in all three, but he would have been in at least one yeah. versus me having him in no lineups. And that's only a point and a half. Yep. But that was the main thing I saw with Sanders. Sanders' projection did not match his ownership. He was going to be over-owned. Doesn't mean I don't play him. Just I know that he's an overowned piece. Who could I play outside of that? I put David Johnson, Ty John. I thought Ty Johnson was underowned and cheaper, and I was paying up at wide receiver and playing four wide receivers most of the time. So it's like the difference of two points in project like, could mean the big difference between a lot of what your lineups look like. But really, the difference of two points is on the overall distribution curve, not that much. Right. This should convince you more that to open up your player pool and play a lot more players and go, well, this guy doesn't project that well. Well, there's a difference between that well and bad. Right. Like, like, like James, in your lineups, you did not play any players that projected badly. No. You played players that projected less than other players on the slate. Sure. But not badly. Like you did like I like even even Zach, like even in my Zach Pascal, like if I go to Zach Pascal, like his salary adjusted plus minus was only minus one point four five. And I, I will say I didn't even play Zach Pascal because I thought he projected well. I played him because he made the lineup work and he projected okay. Right. Eight point three okay. thirty five hundred. But the point that I'm making is that his salary adjusted value, while under like Zach Pascal would be better value at 2,700 sure. versus 3,500. It's not like you're playing, like if I sort this by salary, just in my aggregate, like you're not playing like 
Uh, I mean, I'm going, I'm going, I sorted by RGV. Some of these guys are like complete backups. Yeah. So if I scroll down, like you're not, you're not playing, you're not playing, I'm putting someone that would be, you're not playing OJ Howard. You're not playing, I mean, those are tight ends. I'm not playing Chris Conley, right? Right. Right, projects for 4.65, which is minus 5.9, our uh, salary adjusted plus minus. You're not playing Joshua Palmer. You're not playing Jalen Guyton. You know, you didn't even play Tyler Johnson, and some people played him. You didn't play James Washington, even though he, I think he got there. Alan Lazard. Like some of these guys you heard of. Like they're not like they're, Damien Harris projected poorly. Yeah. Right. Kendrick Bourne projected poorly, and look how look at what game he had. Oh yeah. So it's not like you're going down and saying I'm willing to sacrifice four or five points for no reason. But you're you don't mind sacrificing a point or a point and a half if it goes along with the rest of your lineup. And Zach Pascal fit in with the lineup because you were playing the Tampa Bay Indianapolis game. Yeah, outside of week 10, I I try not to build bad lineups. Right, week we 10 you forget about week 10. Week 10. But I mean even then, like that those lineups, those lineups were bad and it's easy to admit that they were bad. But when you're building out lineups and like you're you're looking for the leverage that you want to build out, sometimes a lineup when like if you look at my let's see If I am looking at, no, even that lineup looked good. I built good lineups this week. I can't even look at any of my lineups and think they were bad. I was trying to look at the the Rams lineup that I built because this one had some some bad stuff happening. But even this one, Matthew Stafford with uh, OBJ and Tyler Higby bringing it back to Devontae Adams, secondary correlation of Mike Evans, Zach Pascal with Saquon Barkley and Eli Mitchell and Jaguars defense. Like even that lineup, Zach Pascal did not project well, but he projected okay. And he made it so that I could afford a Ram stack of Devontae Adams. Like I'm happy with that. Uh, none, none, of, none of these guys, if I was building 150 lineups, none of the guys in your lineup would have been excluded. No, no. Right. I'm not saying that this is the greatest of lineups. They get me perfectly honest. As far as from a projection, well, obviously you have Mitchell and Becca and LBJ projected five points higher than me. So I, based on your numbers, this may not look like that bad of a lineup, but from an individual player perspective, like you're not playing anyone that I wouldn't have included in my player. Right. The only guy that I'm like, and, and looking back on this lineup, this is the worst lineup that I built this week and it scored the worst. So I'm happy about that. But uh, you know, having Saquon Barkley, if I go back into my projections, Saquon Barkley projected how much did, was that lineup completely zeroed out? I think it was. Yeah, it was. So I, I couldn't even come up from Saquon Barkley to Cordell Patterson. Okay, what did you have Barkley at? What was his projection? I had him at sixteen, and I had Cordell Patterson at seventeen. So I mean, it, it's one point. Like I don't care about that. Right. But uh, I like I I did like Cordell Patterson a little bit more than like Saquon Barkley because the Giants are the giants um right my my aggregate was like the flip-flop i had yeah, yeah. 17.02 and patterson at 16.3 so like yeah it's that it's coin flip i don't care right um 
but yeah, that, that was the worst lineup that I built. But even though that lineup was the worst lineup that I built, it, it allowed me to get the priority pieces that I want, which was the Ram stack with Devontae Adams and Eli Mitchell. Um, and Mike Evans, you know, I, I said that I wanted to really lean into that Tampa Bay game. So I wanted Mike Evans. I wanted Rob Gronkowski. I wanted those guys. Um, and so I got what I wanted out of it, but uh, that's, that's the worst lineup that I built because I didn't have guys that I really, really thought projected well in my models and that were really good values. I just made it work. The other two lineups were significantly better. Well, they performed better. Well, but, but I mean, they were built better. I, I mean, like specifically they were built better. They performed better, but they were built significantly better too. Did I cash in this contest? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't one of the, wasn't the one of the 16 lineups that cash. No. Tragic. Tragic. Okie doke. So uh, people could find your, if people, if people, if you are the, are the, if the Browns, the Browns aren't on next week's slate. So. If you if you want the Donovan People Jones model, you're gonna have to wait a week. Right, you're gonna have to wait a week. But you go to <laughs> paydirtdfs.com, paydirt underscore dfs on Twitter, and uh, all these concepts that we talk about are in the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, which is a 15 hour audio DFS masterclass with, with with me and James. It's like a seminar, 15 hour seminar. How to think like a professional DFS player. So all the concepts, game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploits, psychology, everything that you'll need to play any sport. So it's not just it's not NFL specific. So if you want to get better at DFS as a whole, how to play DFS as a game, there's no fancy formulas. You're not going to need like advanced math for this, but it's going to teach you all the mathematical concepts in order to uh, be a profitable long-term profitable DFS player, cash games, GPPs, whatever. So learn the game theory of DFS, theoryofdfs.com. So uh, James, uh, nothing's going to get worse than the DPJ one, right? I don't like, I, I didn't, I, I, like the OBJ going from 9.8 to 15 is a little bit nuts, but not well, as remember, I thought that game should have had a five point like boost. Oh, so you had a boost. Okay, so maybe that that's maybe the main reason is that. Yeah, I thought that game should have had a fifty two over under. So like, you're adding a touchdown to the total. Yeah, that's gonna. That's yeah, a- yeah, but no, I don't think. I think from this point forward, like the projections are going to be pretty close to, to industry aggregate because we're. I mean, we're week twelve. There's what we have gotten to the point now where. After about seven weeks, we know who teams are. Like you, you pretty much know what teams want to do after seven weeks of the season. So from there forward, you're just building on the sample that you have of these teams. And, you know, you're going to have new situations like OBJ with Rams or, you know, players that are coming in for injuries or whatever. Once we get to week 15, 16, 17, like get squirrely. But I think the next couple of weeks going to be smooth sailing. It's not going to be near as crazy as, uh, as Donovan Peoples-Jones stuff. So follow James on Twitter, paydirt underscore DFS at Blenderhead for me, Blender HD on Twitter. And uh, I'll be back tomorrow uh, talking about, uh, I don't know, what we're going to talk about tomorrow. Uh, we'll always be talking about DFS strategy. So you can ask your questions in the YouTube chat. Hit that thumbs up button on your way out the door. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. I'll be live later tonight. Uh, we got we got Grinders Live uh, on the channel. We've got Crunch Time for Premium Members. And then we got the pre-lock show for tonight's uh, Seattle versus someone versus uh, Washington. 
uh, game. And I'll be on that for the showdown slate tonight. So tune in then or tune in tomorrow to the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.